This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along as always. And a part of what I try to do with this show is give people a voice who don't normally have a voice in the church. And so I've had wives on quite a bit whose husbands have issues with porn addiction, sex addiction, adultery, because you don't usually hear from the wife very often. A lot of people just think of this in the context of this is just a man's issue and doesn't really hurt the wife. So this is one reason why I've had quite a few wives open on the show, not open, but on the show during the time we've been doing this broadcast, and and also youth. Youth, we should be freaking out about youth when we see these numbers that 75% of youth are hitting the exits and walking out of the church, and these numbers are not new. They've been going on for the last 20 years that we've been, the church has been hollowed out because youth are walking out. And it's not getting better, and it's getting worse. So part of what we do also is give youth a voice. And sometimes when our youth share their perspective, it can cut through some of the the brain fog some of us adults have. So today I welcome back to the broadcast two of my children, and I say that word very loosely because they're adults, Sean, who's 28, and Rebecca, who's 21. So Welcome back to the program. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So they don't know what I'm going to be giving them. So what I'm going to be doing for this broadcast is reading off maybe news articles or Bible verses or something and and saying, just give me your perspective. Tell me what you think about this. So first one, these are some survey results where church revenue statistics of 2022 show that only 5% of regular churchgoers tithe. Next one, before the pandemic, COVID pandemic, 14% of Americans read the Bible daily. Now only 10% do. This was a survey by the American Bible Society. And then 28% of millennials believe the Bible is the word of God. So you have people showing that they're not really interested in the word of god even and so even though even people who are in church this is this is a stunning number and you know when you've been touched by the love of god you want to give back you want to give some of your tithe and so Sean and Rebecca what do you think when you hear these I think it's kind of sad and very shocking you know during covid i think people isolated themselves and they weren't around a community and no one knew what to do. So I think 
during the lockdown, people also locked themselves down in a way. Um, so I think they're very sad. And after COVID, we haven't been able to go back to normal church, I think. So we're still stuck in that. We're still isolated and not how church should be, I think, as devoted believers to the Bible, to the Word, to the truth, and to each other as well. Mm. So what do you think has gotten lost along the process? I think part of it, probably fellowship, you know, checking in with one another. Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying often and vice versa with each other? I think we don't have that as often as we should. And then what I see when I speak is that I'll ask people to raise their hand if they meet with another believer once a week, and usually only 10 to 15 percent put their hands up. So we as a church are isolated, and that validates what you just said. Sean, what's your take? I think that it just shows the effects of isolation and how we are built for community. You know, the first thing that God said was, it's not good for man to be alone. That was the first thing he said that wasn't good. So... um we absolutely are meant to be connected to one another. And um, and during COVID, the churches basically failed completely on that point because you just had more than half churches just shut down and leave their flock to their own devices. And um, and a lot of the flock straight away, as we can see those, with those statistics, and maybe there's even a little bit of bitterness there with some people not wanting to tithe to churches that abandon them pretty much. And your church attendance is a little different than most. Is that right? Yeah, they have um, an old-fashioned service with more classical instruments and hymns, and then they have what they call a modern service with more um, mainstay music instruments like guitars um, and such. And uh, it has a um, very wide demographic as far as age group and people that attend there go, which um, is a little bit rare in this state. What I mean is your church these days is more going on Wednesday night when there's community. Oh, yes. I, yes, I attend a young adult service on Wednesday nights, and um, it's a great way to connect. We pray for each other. We share what's going on in our lives and stay accountable to each other. Um, it's a great way to enjoy fellowship. And what I believe you've told me is that's more of a church to you than going to a service during the weekend service. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Um, most weekend services with churches, it's you worship and then you hear a sermon and then you go home and there's no connection. There's nothing wrong with worship and hearing sermons, but uh, there's a lot more to the Christian life than just that. And um, the fact that most churches just try to do that online uh, really emphasizes that during COVID and they completely failed on the community part. Okay, let's talk about another topic. Um, Jesus mentioned the, the subject of hell more than 60 times in the Gospels. And one Bible verse is Matthew 5.30, If your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And there are a lot of stinging and even, if you really take them to heart, even frightening warnings about consequences of hell. And and 
do you hear these often in your current church environment? Not at all. I don't. It's rare, possibly, and I really do wish that we would talk about it more. You know, we just talk about that God can save you, but what about those who aren't saved? What's after for them, you know? We are blessed to know that after death, if you are saved, that we have heaven, but you also have to know that it is possible for you to slip away and you need to know these consequences and um, that your actions have consequences and take it seriously, I think. And um, I don't hear that often in the church. Mm. Yeah, um, broaching the consequences of what happens when you don't become a follower of Christ and obey his commands is a heavy subject that many churches are too afraid to touch. So why do you guys think this is missing? That's a good question. I think maybe sometimes we can get caught up in what we're doing, that we don't look at the full picture of life, not preparing for eternity. It's sometimes only you only think about it when it's the end times for you, not throughout your whole entire life and preparing for that. So I think people just kind of push it off till the end and you don't know when your end is. So you need to be prepared throughout your life, basically. Mm. Yeah, and one of my um, recent quiet times reading through the Bible, I remember Jesus warning people, to be ready and to be sober at all times. And so that goes on to what you're saying is to have more of a focus on the eternal, not just living for whatever I can get for today. So that's good. Because he was, I don't know which verse, but he always said, don't love the earthly things because it's not for us. Focus on the heavenly things, what's waiting for you. Mm. Maybe it's First John you're talking about, um, do not love the things of the world, whoever loves the world, um, the love of the Father does not abide in him. So maybe that's the verse you're thinking yeah. about. Yeah. So it's having more of a perspective that um, once I die, there is, there's no second chances. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I've lived my life in a way that pleases God and I invest my life in the eternal. Right. So that's kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, to your question, it's much easier and safer to preach a message that will fill people with um, good feelings rather than make them challenged and uncomfortable because you will lose people when you do that. It's a guarantee. And a lot of churches want to focus on growing their flock, not losing them, even though um, that's not exactly what the Bible commanded. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. Mm. So it's not making people uncomfortable or squirming. Exactly. So I'm going to read a couple news articles here. These are all recent, um, really just from this last week or so, actually last two weeks. Uh, One, this was from Newsweek, a Nashville pastor used a church's internet to upload child pornography. Uh, The next one, a Florida youth pastor and sixth grade public school teacher was arrested after allegedly using church Wi-Fi to download child porn. So this was in a different state, but a similar circumstance. And then uh, next, this was 
another news site, News 11, Jacksonville, Putnam County, New York, youth pastor and elementary teacher arrested on child porn charges. So it's almost a daily occurrence that some leader in a church somewhere, youth pastor or senior pastor is being arrested for child pornography or being exposed with some kind of sexual sin. And the next one um, from Yahoo News, church music teacher arrested for sexual assault charges in El Paso County, Colorado. So when you hear uh, news articles like this where there's an ongoing influx of Christians who are in bondage to sexual sin, what goes through your mind? First of all, that it's sick and devastating to hear that that in your church and your youth pastors <clears throat> that that's happening and that it's that no one else is aware of that I think at first of it's, it's sick and very sad and that that's how much it shows that we've lost our way I think mm-hmm. I think it's really it's tragic and it's abhorrent, you know. Jesus got mad when the church was turned into a marketplace. I can't imagine how he'd feel about his pastors doing that. Um, it's terrible. These are the people that are supposed to be leading us, and they're engaging on that level of depravity on an unimaginable scale. And it's going to cause a lot of lack of trust in the church and the church leadership. Use the word um, unimaginable scale with something that big, what do you think needs to happen? Accountability. Pastors have to stay connected to people. Um, doesn't have to be regular church members. It could be elders or however they have it organized, but people need to be held accountable. Yeah, I agree that he probably didn't tell anybody in his church and it probably got found out on accident. So I think having someone that's there making sure not just for, you know, leaders, for everyone, really, that accountability partner. Well, and nobody ever wakes up and says, I'm going to go get addicted to child porn today. I'm going to destroy my life, destroy my church, destroy my family. And the tragedy is that um, there are so many in bondage. And eventually what will happen is the enemy will hold open a door like a spring trap and then one day they get exposed or they go somewhere in a dark place on the Internet and then they get deeper in bondage. And then the next thing you know it, they are looking at illegal material that has a darker side of evil to it that has more of a grip on them. And if they, they're terrified of going to their um, elder board or someone else for help, then – they can feel trapped. So what you've both been saying all along is we need more connection. Um, yes, we need accountability, but we need people who are Jesus with skin on to walk with. So what is your take on that? I think sometimes you don't feel like your church is a safe place when it should be. So I think knowing that your church is Jesus with skin on, I think that's a great example and I don't think that there are many people like that, so it can be very scary to open up with these types of issues to your congregation or to your leaders. So having a safe church, I think, is also very important to have. 
and knowing that they're not going to judge you or, you know, tell other people, knowing that they're there for you and that they're going to pray for you. So a safe church, I think, is also key. That's well said. Uh, well, when I said accountability, I meant that, uh, yeah, it's a connection with people that you can open up what you're struggling with so that they can pray for you. It's not just kicking someone out when they do something wrong. Um, so that way you could stop it before it gets to the level of um, viewing illegal content. Um, and, yeah, that's that's really key for the Christian walk. Agreed. So uh, this is from another news article that I'm going to read directly from. Uh, it's from um, Julie. I forget her last name. It'll come to me in a moment. But um, this has been all over the Christian Post and some other Christian um, news articles lately on an investigation into Hillsong. And I'll read um, some of what is in that article where an employee of Hillsong went to the government in, in Australia and this is an interview with the person who is doing that investigation where it says, also implicated in the alleged exorbitant spending by Hillsong, and this investigation is how they've been spending money, are several U.S. Christian celebrities. Wilkie claimed Hillsong paid honorariums to Pastor Joyce Meyer of 160000 130000 100000 and 32000 Similarly, Pastor T.D. Jakes received 77000 and 120000 in honorariums with a staggering 77000 worth of airfares to and from Australia thrown in. In return, Wilkie said Brian Houston, the former global senior pastor, spoke at megachurches in the U.S. and received his own eye-watering honorariums. The document states that perhaps the most disgusting aspect of Hillsong's excessive spending is that it charges Compassionate International, the U.S. ministry to kids all over the world, $1 million annually so that Compassion can promote child sponsorship at Hillsong conferences and worship tours. Hillsong does not promote Compassion out of the goodness of their heart, the document states. Instead, they charge Compassion International $1 million a year for the privilege of being their child sponsorship partners. So when you hear something like that, what goes through your mind? I think it's clear what their motivation is, and I, it's not very certain that Jesus is at the center of it, because you look how he lived his life. It was very humble means. He was a carpenter. Um, he hung out with the sinners. Um, he didn't charge hundreds of thousands or millions of denarii to do what he wanted. Mm. I think it's selfish and prideful, and yeah, they have the wrong motive in a way, and not giving back to their community, and you know, they're just giving it to their their leaders or their people in their church, and not people who are actually in need who need that money. So I think it's selfish and greedy. How does it affect your trust level and leadership? It makes me very skeptical of what they do and how much of it is just a performance to get money and to get um, 
as much tithes rather than caring about the hearts of people? I think people already have are skeptical or keep their money close to them. So I think that this isn't going to help at all. They're always my money, you know, but it should be God's money. You know, you don't own your money. So I think that this is not going to help at all trusting the church or organizations in that. And I'm also skeptical of where I put my money too, donating wise. So that just kind of in a way is hurtful to people who have donated. Mm. Do you think this is tied in any at all to what I read in the very beginning about 5% of Christians tithe? Could be, yeah. I think so. There could be some connection there. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'm going to read another quote from a guy named Dennis Prager, who is well known. He uh, has radio shows all over the country and has influence on, as it says on his website, and millions of people. And I read this in a previous broadcast. And so the quote is from a news source. During a roundtable discussion about the book of Exodus, Dennis Prager, a prominent conservative talk radio host and self-described religious Jew, said that men want variety in a viewing viewing pornography. It's a substitute for adultery. It's not awful. We don't have a claim that if you look at another woman with lust, as if you committed adultery with her, said Prager. What are your thoughts? I think there's no such thing as a lesser sin. All sins equal. And to say one sin isn't as bad, so that makes it okay, is a very dangerous road to tread upon. And we also need to be very careful with the media we look at, too, because Dennis Prager's all over YouTube, and he does have a large following. Mm. Yeah, I used to watch his videos during Bible class in school, in high school. So I think there's something deeper to this quote. Obviously, it's false, because in the Bible, it says, if you look at another woman with lustful thoughts, it's sin very clear (laughs) so i think it's false and there's probably something deeper to that for him Mm. well and you bring up a good point that it's dangerous when you have you know millions of followers and kids are watching this in high school or junior high or whatever at a christian school um i don't think it'd be in a public school but that influence could be used to take people down the wrong path they don't read their bibles like you've been talking about right absolutely so we visited a church uh, a little while ago where I heard the senior pastor say, and this was at a pastor of a big church, and there's a lot of pretty good-sized churches here in Arizona. I think the biggest one has more than 30,000 members. And he said that for all of our big churches, we haven't made a dent in the culture. Why is that? Because the churches have lost the ability to connect with their flock, most of them. Um, and we talked about it earlier, most Sunday services are you worship, you listen to a sermon, everyone goes home, you probably won't remember the name of the person who sat next to you. I think that um, that the church has lost its way or they are not equipping their believers. So I remember one pastor said that you're not going to remember what I said after an hour you leave. 
I don't think that that's a good impression to leave on your flock, that you're not going to remember this. You should be teaching that so that we can live the Word of God. Okay, Sean, 30 seconds. Anything you want to say? Um, reading your Bibles is key. Staying connected with fellow Christians, having accountability partners, people that you can always come to when you're struggling with things um, will take you a long way in your Christian walk. And... Um, Pray daily. To filter everything you see on the media through the Bible, through the truth, and through the Word. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, Sean and Rebecca. And thank you, my friends. And we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.